This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. You ready, yeah? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. It's, whoa, 20 minutes past 11pm on transfer deadline day. The window was slammed shut. Cristiano Ronaldo was still a Manchester United player. Anthony and Martin Dubravka have arrived on deadline day. But far more importantly, it feels for us, stood outside the King Power Stadium, Manchester United have won a football match again. I'm joined by Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten, both of whom, of course, were here to see the drama unfold. We're going to reflect on all the transfer business for Manchester United, but we're going to start, Andy, by talking about that football match because are they beginning to look like a football team that can win games on a consistent basis? Well, yes, because that is happening. Third straight win, another clean sheet. The goal difference is still minus two. But <laughs> I, did, I did check the league table and Manchester United are up to fifth. So I think so last season, a minus two goal difference, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It does, but baby steps. Look at where United were after a couple of games. I, I thought to myself halfway through the first half, it is really nice still to be watching a Manchester United team not falling behind playing good football, thought the goal was excellent, another excellent um, finish from Jadon Sancho. Loads of positives all over the pitch. I just asked um, Eric Ten Hag about the defenders. I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but oh, what fun it is to see United win away. The away end was bouncing. Um, some of the songs we can repeat, some of the songs we won't. I'll probably get in trouble for tweeting um, one of them. Lots of... Uh, Glazers out, chance from the away end. Big shouts for Cristiano Ronaldo to show that he's still loved by Manchester United fans. But look, if you, if you see your team win away, especially having gone so long without seeing United win away uh, before that win at Southampton, we're, we're all smiling. When you say win away, I keep thinking you're going to break into song again. Um, it, it was encouraging, though, wasn't it? It was a similar performance and similar sort of game as the Southampton match, in a way, wasn't it? But to build on that with another win and another clean sheet, Laurie, feels like there should be more confidence heading into Sunday. Yeah, it wasn't sparkling, it wasn't dominating, but it was controlled. And I think that's the key thing that clearly was absent from Brighton and Brentford games. Um, the fact that you've got every single player on that pitch working hard, really off off the ball, is a key ingredient, I think. Um, you know, Rashford, Sancho, Alanga um, from the front, you know, trying to close down the opposition. And, and you can see that cohesion. And then when, once they got it, you could see the ideas that they had. I mean, particularly with the goal, really lovely goal to watch. You know, with Dallow, I think he had a really good game at right back again um, assertive in what he did and, and passing it quickly to Fernandes you could see that basically it was a bit, it was a bit fragmented wasn't it I think they've been like an attack and then a long kick and you know the Leicester weren't organised so seize on that quickly and, and, and act with purpose and then Rashford and Sancho they've got a good understanding I think if they can keep keep going in the same you know sort of situations then you'll see more of those kind of goals really lovely composure from Sancho and I mean as Andy said it was a, it was a proper away uh, crowd where you've got limbs all over the place it was good to watch you've got a good vantage point up in the King Power Stadium looking out over the the United fans um, and yeah it was like you know people clambering down aisles and, and, and what have you so um, it was good to witness and I think overall you know a lot of good performances in that team where it looked cohesive as well yeah, the way it should be, definitely. In fact, just hold that for a moment, will you? Ian is now kneeling down and rustling through his bag. Last time he did this, he whipped out some cans 
This time... Celebratory jelly babies? Yeah. It's got that. some jelly babies. Come on. We've earned it. I mean, it's so, it's hard work and it's effort, you know, watching, being switched on and um, talking about football, you know, yeah. and, and kind of being engaged. So, yeah, jelly babies. Yeah, so it was my 36th birthday yesterday yeah. and this was the present from my daughter. So who better to share it with than you two gentlemen? There Fantastic. you go, Andy. Happy 46. Fantastic. Well, make sure you get a red one. In a car park in Leicester. Nice breezy evening. Should mention a lot of the United fans wearing shorts tonight. Probably going to be the last time that that <laughs> happens as um, winter and autumn starts to, to close in. But thank you for having a jelly baby. What nice little have you got there? I've got um, a black one and a, a yellow one. Yeah. Um, this is really lovely as well because it just enhances the pick and mix feel that we got in the press room at Leicester. Which oh, here we go. Nice link, Laurie, yeah. See, I brought that back there. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, I do actually think we should sing a quick happy birthday to Ian. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, really. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday you. to Ian. Thank you. Everyone at home, sing along, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> better sing along. It's normally transfer deadline day, my birthday, so actually it was quite nice this year to wait a day and then it ruined today instead. Um, <laughs> it ruined it. This time last year was the first day of a family holiday. Manchester United signed Cristiano Ronaldo. I just said to my wife, I'm, I'm really sorry about this. Were you uh, on a boat? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was in Split um, in Croatia, about to go on a boat and now I'm stood in a car park in Leicester and Manchester United's free kit men, hard working kit men, deserve credit, driving the kit back to Manchester now, they're going to put it in the wash at two o'clock in the morning so that it's nice and ready, sparkling for the victory against Arsenal on Sunday. It's a tough job but someone's got to do it, safe journey back to you three. Um, Laurie, in terms of tonight then, it was the first time I'd seen Casemiro in a United oh. shirt and he's going to break into song again. Any good? Do you know what really impressed me about him? The other players seem to think he's really good as well. Everyone, whatever position they were on that pitch, was looking for him every time they got the ball. They just wanted him to have it because they felt like a sense of calm when he had it. I was almost like sitting back in my seat every time he touched the ball because he just looked so assured. Yeah, you can see he's a player that's won five Champions Leagues, can't you? You know, this Imagine is... there's a few of them on the pitch. There is that, but I, yeah, I suppose, yeah, good point. Um, but I don't know, in midfield, it feels like a more... Uh, central cog in in how those uh, Champions Leagues were won. I mean, I'm sure Christian Arnold would, would dispute that, and Rafael Varane might do. But you know, he came on, and it was a moment when you know Leicester were actually had a, a good start to the second half, and that control that United had in the first half was a little bit absent. And you could see Tenag thinking, I, "I need to change it here," and the change he made obviously was Alanga off and Casemiro on, which doesn't necessarily look like the most obvious because you're having to shuffle things around a little bit there but it meant McTominay stayed on who was having a really good game and he continued to have a good game and Casemiro went alongside him and yet instantly brought a poise to midfield it's those moments where he intercepted it at one point just with sheer anticipation just just smarts and then spread the play with a nice pass as well um, he didn't do everything perfectly there was a couple of moments where I think he gave the ball away once I think he probably just did it so he could intercept it again but um, <laughs> He exudes this kind of presence. Even before he came on the pitch, um, you had Dogo Dallo taking a throw in uh, whilst he's warming up, and he's just telling him, calm, calm, you know, hands down. That, that guy, I think we'll see that a fair bit throughout this season, slowing the pace down, you know, perhaps you know, that's what he's used to with La Liga and, and, and Champions League, but I think it can have a benefit in the Premier League as well. I know it's 100 mile an hour, and that's the big question about Casemiro, translating that kind of midfield play to the Premier League on a, on a week-by-week -week basis. Can he do it? It's too you know, cameo appearances so far. It's interesting to see when Tanag will bring him into the starting lineup. Sunday. Sunday, starting on Sunday. I think so, yeah. Snapping into Arsenal's midfield. Mm. Are we, is it? Is it? Are we punctuating that, you know, Mikel Arteta train that seems to be gathering speed, five wins <laughs> out of five? I just feel like he'll play on Sunday, yeah. Sort of reading between the lines of, of what Eric Ten Hag had to say after the match in terms of the, the, the way he needed the squad in a certain rhythm and things like this. I'm sort of looking at him thinking, you're going to start him on Sunday. We'll preview Arsenal properly a bit later. But he looks really impressive. He needs to start this game because it's a huge test, isn't it, against Arsenal? The biggest test yet, probably. Well, the league leaders and they're in a very good place. Contrasts them to where they were a year ago when people were talking about the type of pressure on Mikel Arteta that they're saying about Brendan Rodgers now at Leicester. You would expect him to start, but I think Scott McTominay, I don't think he'll start, but I think he's done well. I think he did well in the first half uh, tonight. I thought he had a good game against Liverpool. 
I think more than talking about individuals, you can see how Eric Ten Hag's tactics are starting to take shape. You're seeing players way out of their natural positions and players covering for them. So Malassi will move right forward and Lissandro Martinez has got the confidence to cover for him. You're seeing McTominay getting really advanced positions. Diogo Delot, I clocked two times tonight where he was the most advanced player on the pitch. My man of the match tonight was Rafael Varane. I think he's fantastic. I think he's having his best moment at United. And you could say that about several players. Um, we spoke after the game to, to Jadon Sancho, scored another good goal after another good team move. Mm. Um, but Varane? Well, I think that brings the best out of Sancho, good team moves. I think he's that type of That's player that if, if everything's working, he's the one who's shining within that. That's what United have been missing. It's all right talking about names and individual stats. It's a, it's a side which looks like they're being very well coached and it's still very early and Eric Ten Hag said that after the game in his press conference. But two games without conceding a goal how Manchester United have needed that and Varane and, and Martinez already looks like a very good defensive partnership Malassia is, is now the number one left back mm. and Diogo Delot is playing in my opinion the best football since he joined the club these are players who are confident and if you're getting real results like that that confidence is only going to grow if Casemiro fits him you know you were glowing in your assessment of him both of you he's one of the best midfielders in the world with the, with the medals to prove it. And so is Rafael Varane, and we didn't see it last year when he came from Madrid. And I started to see people go, Madrid don't let the players go. And I'm thinking, it's not true. I know exactly what went on in that transfer. Exactly. They wanted to keep him. And if he stays fit, just spoke to Danny Simpson, who was a, a player here, a defender here. So what do you like about Varane? And he stays on his feet. The best defenders do that. So we know he's had issues with his injuries, but the more games he can play will be better for Manchester United. I'm not sure that some of the other defenders who are missing out will share my enthusiasm, but that's football. Don't hit me, Laurie, but I, I don't know how I feel about like chest bumping and stuff when you win a goal kick. <laughs> See, I, I, um, I mean, I, that was a key strand of the Liverpool win for me, where particularly with Martinez, mm. you know, you had a lot of it. Dalot enjoys doing it. I, I suppose it depends the, the circumstances. I think in this moment where they've hit a low at Brentford, where it's looked like they've been a fragmented squad with no idea and now they've turned it around, I, I, I quite like it to say, say, no, we are here, we are together, we do get on and we understand each other and where we're supposed to be, as Andy was saying there, covering each other, slotting into those spaces. So let's celebrate. Uh, I mean, I didn't notice it particularly tonight. So it's go just on, you... one big moment on about 70 minutes, wasn't there, where Delo came across. I can't remember who was attacking. It was Harvey Barnes on his side, so it was probably him. And he won a goal kick by tackling him and then the ball going out of play off uh, Harvey Barnes. And immediately, Lissandro Martinez runs over, they were chest bumping, high-fiving. Some fans will absolutely love it, I'm sure. I'm just sort of feeling a bit reticent to praise it at the moment it feels a bit yeah. like relief rather than anything else I think you're right to be circumspect you know let's not get carried away you know we're, we're back there Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is interesting with Martinez you can see I think that there's a kind of not necessarily cult following already but a kind of affection to him because of the way he plays and because of those chest bumps you know at the end he goes over after, way after the final whistle singing Argentina now doesn't take Man United fans much encouragement to sing Argentina because they love a bit of provocation which they had tonight you know with Leicester fans again you know they, they like baiting you know certain fans with the world champions twice once more than England Leicester to be fair to them came back with a pretty good one they did didn't they I thought that yeah you know champions yeah. of England more recent than you Ouch. facts again you know you can't you can't argue <laughs> with it can you um so uh, but but that I think ultimately if you've got a team that looks committed on the pitch and looks like they're enjoying it and engaged and infused and, and aggressive, you know, fans are going to respond to that and I, I think that's a good thing ultimately. Have you written your take on the game up yet? No, you know me. How is this going to work though? Because it's, what is it now? It's getting on for midnight Well, and you're still in Leicester. Do you have to get home and write it? You're going to write it here? There's a coffee shop over there. You're going to keep them open or what? <laughs> I've got a hotel. So oh, here we go. Mine, mine's at noon tomorrow. See, there we go. Andy, Andy can push uh, deadlines back. Mine, mine will be overnight and then they'll publish it in the morning. Um, admittedly, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be extensive. 800 words. And it's going to be, I think, on something that we've not touched on yet. The, the R word, Ronaldo. 
Oh, I was actually genuinely wondering <laughs> for a moment. relegation with Brendan Rodgers, what we've just been listening to in there, weren't you? It's quite um, stark, his words, yeah, by the way, stark, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, it's worth just touching on it briefly, but he obviously was in the conversation when Eric Ten Hag was, you know, being first mooted, wasn't he? You know, people were banging that drum. You know, he'd bought a house in Manchester and people were talking about that's the first sign. So for him now to be in this position with Leicester, where the press conference we just listened to, and you'll hear it in, in different instalments if you want to listen to it, uh, after the embargoes are lifted but it's it's quite stark in terms of not having the players to buy and, and feeling like you know wh- where's this going with him so it, it was it was quite stark in that situation um, but no my piece is not going to be on Brendan Rodgers it's probably going to be leading a little bit on the teamwork the team goal and the unity but also a bit on Cristiano Ronaldo and how he came off the bench third time in a row now that he's been on the bench and that- someone said to me before the game it was the first time in a very very long time i can't remember the exact number 2005 was the, the last time. time he's been on yeah. the bench three I times think- in a row yeah so that's a very new situation for him this against southampton i thought he came on and it looked awkward it, di- it didn't seem right there tonight I mean he didn't touch the ball for the first 10 minutes after him coming on I was like is he actually had is a that right? I, it looked that way to me I mean listen maybe correct me if I'm wrong but I, I was thinking he's not touched the ball yet and there was a couple of moments where he nearly touched it and then nearly got there once he started touching it I could tell you were writing an article about him and seeing if he nearly <laughs> touched the ball I hadn't intended to now I watch the game and I'm like right, let's see how the game develops and then I'll, and then that's why I don't write until I get home because I don't like sort of I make a few notes but the actual sort of idea of the piece comes to me as the game's going and then he started to get involved and actually it looked like he almost was trying not to shoot like because he didn't want it to seem like and I'm getting all psychoanalytical there aren't I but yeah, only I, a little bit I, I'm, not, I'm not the greedy one it. exactly here we go you can see it you know percolating here can't you maybe I won't be up at five o'clock in the morning like I was after the Liverpool game Honestly, I tell you, I'm slow at writing. My editors do know this. Um, so, but I think he actually got more engaged, and I, I kind of feel like he, he did a really good job as a substitute. Can we really have Cristiano Ronaldo as an impact sub throughout the season? I mean, Tenag touched on it a little bit. You know, he's got a big squad. He's obviously going to start games for sure. It's Cristiano Ronaldo, but he's obviously staying. If he is okay with that, and it's a kind of big if, and maybe he, he's him being okay with it does change, you know, as the months go on. But it, what a player to be able to bring off the bench. Um, he was actually the first one uh, through the mix zone, you know, fr- you know, straight out. He obviously didn't come through the mix zone to speak to us, but he, he posed for a picture with a sort of fan journalist that was from Italy, I think, that kind of wanted to get a, a selfie with him, and then he was straight onto the team bus. You know, he, he didn't look like he was wanting to savour the the occasion particularly, but. So he obviously won't be happy at not starting matches, but if he can come on and, and link up like he did do, because he was, you know, he nearly assisted Rashford, nearly assisted Ericsson. If if Dallow had, had had a the cross was decent, but he, he tries the volley, uh, and there was another one I think that was close to coming off. There's, there's moments where they could have actually extended the lead to two 0 You know what a what a sub to have on, but you know it's a, it's a big if, isn't it? Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure Laurie would have been up all night in a Leicester hotel room scribing away. His Cristiano Ronaldo moments when he nearly touched the ball and other assorted things as well. So have a look at that on The Athletic right now. If you're not a subscriber, remember you can do so for £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Sign up now. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Rightio, Laurie, you mentioned it a moment ago, the R word, Ronaldo, um, he is remaining. Andy, uh, the last podcast, I think you said you were doubting that he'd still be here. There's no doubt anymore. 
Eric Ten Hag had a very wry smile on his face when someone said about him staying here and he said, well, we always told you he would. Um, I don't think that's quite the case. Definitely um, not the case. No, exactly. But he is here now. I mean, how difficult is this situation now going to be to manage for the Manchester United manager, given the issues has already been when Ronaldo's been reintegrated after the summer? I think it's probably the biggest issue for Manchester United at the moment and that's about Cristiano Ronaldo getting his head around the fact that he's continuing to be a Manchester United player because he wanted to leave, let's get that, let's get that absolutely clear. That's not happened and now for the first time as Laurie said since 2005 not be an automatic starter, star in the team. I thought he did well when he came on against Leicester, nearly scored a spectacular goal, scuffed another one across the goal. Well, Though maybe you might say that was across. I think it's a major issue. I think Tenog's handling it really well. He's shown his authority. Um, there was a good vibe pre-season, and then Cristiano came back, and the mood suffered at Carrington among the players. Now he's looking like a substitute at the moment. That can change. He's not just not becoming not a world-class player overnight. I think that made sense. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Yeah, don't edit that bit out because yeah, I hope you know, I hope you know what I meant by by saying that. It's got to get his head we around know. about being a sub. Yeah, but also I think the idea that he isn't first choice. Yeah. You know, for a player who has been one of the best players who's ever played football, for some people the best player there's ever been in the history of the game, is now having to get his head around that his body can't do things that it used to be able to do. That actually players who started that match tonight are being preferred to him. I, I don't care whether you've got an ego, no ego, whatever you've got. That must be a really difficult transition for older footballer, for an older footballer. It happens to every footballer in the world. But it doesn't happen to Ronaldo, does it? He's it, it, human. He's not going to be playing when he's 63, is he? At some point in his life, he's got to accept that he's no longer a first-choice player for a major club in the world. Well, that's what, a huge thing to accept well, for him, isn't his, it? Well, he's got no other choice. He's got to get his head around it. You know, There wasn't a queue of suitors for him this summer. And that is the reality of the situation. That is the stark reality of the situation. And the manager, uh, he's, he said he, he's happy to be his friend, he's happy to be his teacher. He can be both of those things. I think Ten has got the respect to the dressing room. I think he's, he's come out of the last couple of weeks better than anybody. And Cristiano Ronaldo's just got to get his head around the situation. That's not to say he's not going to start games. It's not to say that he can't come on and score the winner against Arsenal. He might even start against Arsenal. And there are doubts about his positioning and uh, whether he will fit into Eric Ten Hag's idealised style of football. But Ten Hag has already shown that he can tweak his tactics. He can go man-to-man -man if he wants. He can go with the high press. He's a flexible manager and he'll need to be. And he's showing that already. And Cristiano's got to get that, get that into his head. But it, it is probably the biggest issue at Manchester United at the, at, at the moment from a playing perspective. Yeah, it's going to have to be very carefully managed, certainly. A bit like our, our presence here, actually, Laurie. Are we under threat of being What's chucked out, are we? Yeah. I think he sort of said we needed to permit to be here, but then I was like, well, we're just journalists, and he then sort of nodded and accepted it. So, I don't know, listen. We'll, we'll we probably do need a permit, but we've not got one, and we've recorded for 20 minutes, so... Talk the devils under the radar. I don't know, what what's the sort of, you know, the, the kind of you know, un, un, unlicensed version of, uh, of Talk of the Devils. <laughs> after hours. After, talk of the Devils after hours. It always is after hours. I think, strictly speaking, we are on Leicester City's property. There is that, yeah. And There's just, a blue carpet just there. We just might have to move like 25 metres onto public property where we would be 100% entitled to work in the democratic country that we live in. Do you think, though, that it's like sort of Cinderella and at midnight our accreditation expires? Ooh, I, I, think, I think we've got 17 minutes left. Can we just create this kind of false you know, narrative and, and hope that it works? I was hoping, you know, when I was prepping for the podcast, that it, we were going to be recording as 11 o'clock hit and I was wondering what amazing thing we could do to mark that exact moment. I also thought at one point that we'd all be like drastically still working because United was still trying to get stuff done and tr still trying to work details out. But when I saw John Murta in the tunnel afterwards, congratulating people, looking quite relaxed, I was thinking, I think the business is done here, actually. Yeah, and that must be nice for a football director to be able to... He looked tired. It's tired. It's been a long summer.
Roma. He's, yeah. he's, he's done a lot of travelling, I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, you talk about the Barcelona trips that yeah, not yeah. a lot of people know all yeah. about. Multiple trips. Amsterdam. And he didn't have much of a suntan when I saw him either, so well, that gives it. you an idea. That's it. I mean, people think it's a glamorous job, don't they, you know, for us travelling all over. And OK, fine, there is quite a bit of glamour sometimes, but often... You mean in the car park at Leicester, well, there we go. midnight, deadline or, day? Or in a Marriott hotel by the motorway and, you know, tapping up, you know, at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, so... Tapping up what? Articles? Well, something like that. Well, you know, speaking of tapping up in, in a football sense, I don't think I'll be uh, trying to get any January transfers in uh, before the uh, the window opens. I mean, I had a, a comment from that actually on the Q and A. Somebody already saying to me, "What about the January transfer window?" I was oh, thinking, no. Oh, you've, no, you, no, no, you've just broken your budget by no. you know hundred odd million, and, and you know I, I think it's going to be you know this is kind of going to be the squad for a, a while yet. I mean, the January window. I'm, I'm answering the question. I'm bloody answering the question. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that'll be something that is going to be a big you know big spend anyway, but. Yeah, it's nice to be transfer deadline day and not have to be crazy. You know, obviously we've talk, we can talk talk about the uh, transfers that have come in, completed, and then out a little bit if you want um, in, in a second. But um, just on Ronaldo, the only thing that's you know, Laurie's got his fingers in the air. One eh? Question mark. The Saudi that's two that by the, the way. The Saudi Arabian window apparently doesn't op- doesn't close. Sorry for another two weeks, and that they've been the only. Al Halal with the club that you know presented that, that opportunity to Cristiano Ronaldo and he's getting his phone out now. He's going on the Ryanair app. <laughs> no, um, Other good airlines are available. So yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, if if the that would go totally against the, the the whole premise of Ronaldo wanting to leave United for a Champions League club, so I, I don't think it's a realistic proposition. But apparently, there are people connected to Saudi Arabian clubs that are still have been still trying to you know get his services secured. Okay, as Andy mentioned before, of course, it's a year since Cristiano Ronaldo arrived back at Old Trafford. There's a long read on The Athletic right now about all the details of his 12 months back in Manchester. You can also go on YouTube as well and have a look at us discussing Ronaldo's year in the Bishop Blaze pub. That's on The Athletic's YouTube channel right now as well. Laurie? Yeah, just one thing I wanted to say when when it happened live, and Andy has touched on it a little bit, but I don't think it's a given... I didn't think it was a given that United fans would embrace Ronaldo in song. No, that's a good point, that, yeah. Um, and actually, at the end of the game, you know, when he came on, they did, you know, both the songs. So it's clear that actually, whatever has happened, you know, whatever you might say, there's still that support for him there, you know, vocally. That will make a difference to him as well, won't it, Andy? Because he's human. What's the alternative to it? Getting booed? The worst thing that can happen for a footballer uh, is when their own fans turn against them. And as Laurie said, both Ronaldo songs were sang in Leicester. They both sounded fantastic. And I think he can still have a decent role. And he was the first one of the players over to the away fans. Um, he McLaren was the one directing them again. So, you know, very big contrast to the Brentford game. He actually... I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but he went over and as he was walking over, they were singing anti-glazer songs. So he sort of stopped and I think he thought, I better not go over whilst they're singing anti-glazer songs. So he sort of had a bit of a chat and then they stopped and they started singing you know, positive songs. So then they went over, but he was the first one over. So listen, maybe he has become aware of how that looked at Brentford and, and we don't want to magnify it because, you know, players have presumably have got so many different emotions after games running through them that... Do they, you know, they might think, do I really have to go and do this figurative thing with the fans? But I do think it has, you know, a good connection that people appreciate. Yeah, I was just by the dugout as well at the end, and I heard Eric Ten Hag say to even some of the substitutes who'd not been used during the game, "Go over, let's all go over together as a team and applaud the fans." And I know for a fact, having been in the away end many times, that it is appreciated by supporters, no matter what the result is. Andy, it's completely appreciated, and those fans have travelled a long way to Leicester spent good money and it's nice when the players go up back to them. I know it was put to Ten Hag um, before the Brentford game that it's a good idea for your players to go over because we sometimes think that every incoming manager knows every facet of the culture at every club and they don't. I remember speaking to Jose Mourinho in December 2016 about going over to the fans and he's like, what, me as the manager? That's for the players. I said... Trust me, if you get an away win and go over to the away end, 
that will be appreciated by the fans. Some of my clearest memories of Sir Alex Ferguson at the end of games was going over to away supporters. I remember that match at Highbury when they got the draw. 2-2, two, two. I was thinking yeah. exactly the same I still game. see him going yeah. over. Yeah. yeah, And that was a draw. You know, that, but he knew, it was an important draw, He knew what it, it meant yeah, in yeah. the scheme of things. He wanted to own that moment and say, we are, we are celebrating this draw. This means a lot to us. And that then has an impact on your opposition. Um, can I touch on just one quickly before we move on? Before the game, touching on Steve McLaren, really funny moment. I just came out and he's doing keepy-uppies by himself, like in, in amongst all the cones. I was like, he's got some skills here, Steve. Uh, and then he, anyway, he stops it. He sort of fails his final one. Passes the ball to Rio Ferdinand, who's here on the pitch doing BT Sport. Rio does a lovely little control and turn. Tries to pass it back to McLaren, misses it by miles. Like the pass is just so bad, and McLaren's just thrown his water bottle down on the floor in like kind of mock, you know, jest. Uh, and then I think Rio sort of, you know, pulled, it, you know, touched his hamstring as if he kind of like, you know, oh, it's just, an injury. That was, going, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was that was right. But I, it was funny, you know. It's obviously a nice moment between two guys that you know know each other in football, and I, I, I just quite like the vibe that Steve McLaren brings. You know, I, I, for whatever, clearly he's got football brains and, and intelligence and a good sounding board for Tenag. But you know, every time I've seen him, I, I've quite enjoyed, you know looking at what he's doing. He definitely brings a different quality in terms of his personality compared to the manager and Mitchell van der Gaag yeah. as well. He's a very different character. Right, let's do transfer chat. Before we do it, should we have another jelly baby? Yeah. Go on, one. How did you spend your birthday? I was working. Yeah, I was watching Erling Haaland bag a hat-trick for Manchester City in oh, a 6-0 win. That was a yeah. um, he looks quite good, by the way, doesn't he? We should have signed him. Anyway. Well, do you think United knew about him? Because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had him at Mulder, or, you know. Let's move it on. <laughs> um, right, transfer chat. There's tons of it on The Athletic. I was looking for the Cristiano Ronaldo article just a moment ago, scrolling through the Manchester United section on the app, and there is literally story after story after story, from Ahmad to Chong to Ghana to Ronaldo to Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Blimey. Um, can you summarise it? fairly quickly for us Laurie because I think me and Andy would like to go home sometime ish soon I'll rattle through it so um, James Garner I think was the last one to be announced so he's he's been sold um, help yourself Andy uh, I'm alright I better, I better concentrate on speaking because I think if I try and chew and speak I'll, I'll get my words compobulated discombobulated I even managed it without chewing um, <laughs> James Garner was the, I think last player to officially be announced as you know a kind of incoming or outgoing at United, he's gone to Everton. Uh, it's a nine million initial fee, rising to fifteen and a half million with a, a sell-on clause. Um, no yeah. buyback though. No buyback. Um, and I've, I've spoken to people. Is that a good deal? Is that a bad deal? Some people think it, it, they should have got more. Um, some people think that, that's that's fair for, for where he was at. You know, he's had a, a good season at, at Championship Forest. Um, but we, you know, we we broke the story on that one uh, a few weeks ago, and people were surprised that United were willing to sell him. It's a Ten Hag decision. He's seen him in training and thought. Let's not, you know, wait. Let's sell him now, whilst we can recoup some money, which United haven't done historically. So I think that's, you know, time will tell ultimately on that one. But I think that's okay. Um, Ahmad has gone on loan to Sunderland. Now that's one that I think, you know, you can look at and, and, and you know, that this is a crunch moment really for him because he came, you know, for a deal worth £37 million. People will have a go at me and say it was an initial £19 million, But when we were, you know, told about him, it was all included well Anthony's a hundred million euro footballer yeah. even though that's add-ons so I guess we're just doing that now aren't we exactly and and the United felt that the add-ons would be realized which they might still be so but it, it's that's a that's a crucial one really so we'll see because he didn't get in the Rangers team at the end of last season um to Heath Chong he's been sold um 1.45 million could be trebled if the add-ons are all realized he's got a sell-on clause as well 25 percent um you know 22 year old he obviously wasn't going to make it at United now, even though he played quite a lot on tour. It's kind of weird how it's worked. But um, again, I suppose in the circumstances, you know, at least they're getting some money back. Um, and I'm trying to think of the other ones now. Talking about incomings, Martin Dubravka. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a loan, uh, £2 million fee, uh, loan fee for him. So a decent, you know, chunk of change. Um, United have been searching all summer for goalkeeper it's kind of changed I think over the course of the summer you know the kind of profile they're going for Dubravka clearly is a, an established Premier League goalkeeper is he that good with his feet that's the question mark um, my colleagues up in Newcastle were sort of making that point that's something to kind of have a look at although it looks like David De Gea's scrapped the idea of playing out from the back every time already doesn't <laughs> it I think I think actually they're quite sensible in reaching that compromise just to keep that sense of control around that defence as well. Yeah, I mean, there was one pass that went out to McTominay that I thought was actually quite a nice one. Um, but yeah, goal kicks, it's basically 
no long now, isn't it? So Casemiro was shouting at him in stoppage time at the end of the first half. Don't play it short, just get it yeah. long when he was warming up as a sub. Anyway, I digress. Come on. I mean, I think it's a fair point to make. So you know, maybe United have looked at that and gone, OK, fine, Dubravka does then fit the bill for what we want. Um, there's an obligation to buy four, six million, but I think he'd have to start a significant number of Premier League games for that to be enacted. So, you know, unlikely. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. Anthony. Yes. What? Well, he's going to be ready to play, we think, on Sunday. He's certainly registered in time. Uh, Eric Ten Hag probably will take a look at him over the next few days and decide where exactly he's up to. But he'll be thrown straight in, won't he, in terms of being in the squad, maybe not the team? I'd say probably even the team. Uh, really? When I see Anthony Alanga playing, I think that's someone who's got some more development to do, clearly talented. I know that there were a couple of other Premier League clubs considering taking uh, Anthony Alanga or approaching Manchester United for Anthony Alanga. Uh, Anthony, I know that Barcelona looked at him very closely last year, had really glowing reports on him. And as one person at Football Club Barcelona said to me, he's got more YouTube moments than any player we've looked at. In, in the last year. Ultimately, they decided that Rafinha would fit their style of football more than Anthony, so they didn't um, pursue that. Half the price, more or less, Rafinha as well, isn't he? I think the price of Anthony grew as the transfer window went on. Manchester United were not in a position of strength in this transfer window, partly because they couldn't offer uh, Champions League football, partly because a club like Ajax don't need the money and when it got to the very late stage in the transfer window, it went up and up and up and there was a degree of desperation about Manchester uh, United. But I think if you look at all the players who've been brought in over the transfer window, I think most United fans will be satisfied with that, considering where we were a month ago. You would have said Anthony and, and Casimiro, those two, they, they would have been welcomed. OK, Frankie de Jong, the main target, didn't come. He was adamant and he was true to his word and his wishes. He never changed on that. And I spoke to quite a few United fans outside the away end uh, before the game here at Leicester and they were pretty pleased about it. One of them, I know we just touched on goalkeepers, was Kevin Pilkington. He was in the United end, the former goalkeeper. Wow. As a fan. I said, do you sing? He went, yeah. Don't know all the words to all the songs. But he still works at Luton Town or a championship team. That'll be interesting if Manchester United draw Luton Town and you're spotted in the away end singing away. <laughs> You've got to go into work the he, next morning. He might, he might be at the other side of the pitch on that particular occasion, maybe. I think with um, Anthony, um, Manchester United have never had a player from Sao Paulo, the biggest city in South America. And now we've signed two in the space of two weeks because Casemiro's also uh, from there. Just really exciting. Um, I've not watched him every week, but we both speak to, to analysts, we speak to professional scouts, and Eric Ten Hag was asked about the jump up from um, the top division in Holland to England. Clearly there is a jump there, but just watching him do his tricks when he signed, and you know he, he's speaking in Portuguese, but you, you get a sense that he's absolutely buzzing off it. Do you know, and, actually, and you, you make too. an interesting point there as well, because there's... Casimiro's coming who can't speak English. There's Anthony who's coming who can't speak English. I was looking at the defence tonight and trying to work out who, when people were talking to each other, what language they were talking in, because you've got quite a sort of variety of different nationalities and different languages in there. It wasn't clear that it was definitely English, to be fair. I tweeted at the weekend that United could field an 11 of Spanish and Portuguese speakers. And I'm interested in that sort of stuff because... I am, I'm the only non-Portuguese speaker in my own close family. And I just like all the sides, you know, Brazil and Argentina are huge rivals as countries. And you look in the Manchester United end at Leicester and Brazil and Argentina flags are side by side. I, I like. They were there tonight, weren't they? Like in Porsche, yeah. So I think we need to find out which language is Rafael, I'm sure it would be Spanish that Rafael Varane is talking to Lissandro Martinez. Um, unless instructed otherwise, I, spoke to Casemiro and he said I absolutely want to learn English and I believe him and that we shouldn't take that for granted either because I've seen plenty of players come and not make the effort really not make the effort at all and he's like no I'm going to totally make the effort 
and I've seen plenty of English players move abroad and not make the effort at all. So I think Casemiro, and I don't know Anthony at all, I don't know what his intentions are, but he's, he's a young lad and I'm sure he, he will learn it. I was just going to say, what are we going to call the Anthony's? I was yeah. in that press conference and realising this could get confusing here because we've had a question about Anthony Alanga, a question about Anthony Martial, and now a question about just Anthony. Well, Anthony Martial and Alanga, isn't it? Would that be easier? Fine, okay, that's a good good way of no, sorting should, it. Should, I don't should think should it's that complicated, is it? No, we but, should start confusing in press conferences. It's the press because you like to sort of use the first names in, in, in press conferences, don't you? Sort of weird. Do you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know. So you know, it, we have, I'll just ask a question about Anthony and let's see which one Eric Tenag decides to answer, and, and we know that's his favourite. Could actually feel the a strike force of Anthony, Anthony and Anthony, couldn't they? Yeah, we said this last week, but what we should do in the next press conference is you ask him a question about Anthony and I'll do a follow-up going, when Anthony gave the ball to Anthony, <laughs> what did you think the other Anthony was thinking? <laughs> just see what he said. Well, the third one that was left out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is probably worth just briefly touching on Martial because, you know, the, the injury situation, we don't know exactly when he's going to be back. So that's, uh, you know, something to kind of keep an eye on. And also tonight, you know, two goalkeepers on the bench because... Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka won't weren't there. Weird that, wasn't it? I thought slightly strange. And was that because it was deadline day and maybe there was a chance of them moving, or am I reading too much into it? No. I, don't, I don't know with Luke Shaw, Wan-Bissaka. I think there was there's been something there, haven't there? With you know Crystal Palace and West Ham both made inquiries. I think United. I don't think they really looked at Serginho Dest, but I think he was offered, you know, there was, I think there were some conversations there and um, ultimately he's gone to AC Milan. But, uh, you know, you sort of, you think that it's it's an odd sight, isn't it, to, when you have a squad of, of a number of players to have two goalkeepers on. So, you know, I guess it's up to those guys now, though, to you know, try and fight and win their places back. Dest would have gone to Manchester United. Memphis Depay would have gone to Manchester United. Obama Yang um, was speaking mainly with Chelsea. That was going on for a long time. I think Barca wanted a situation where United and Chelsea were both going for Obama Yang so they could say, look how smart we are. We brought him in for no money in, in January. We've made a huge profit. Barca needed to get money in. And they were pretty blunt on Dest. It was like, if he, does, if he stays here, he's going to be sat in the stand. Um, but Manchester United said that they didn't want to sell Aaron Wan-Bissaka. A lot of the noise about that transfer or the transfer that wasn't, was coming A, from, from Barca trying to put insert Dest, but also from wan people, because from his perspective, not unreasonably, he wants to play football because he's a footballer. So this is completely normal in the, at the end of a transfer window. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
Okay, we'll just do a quick preview of Arsenal. Then before we do it, do you want another jelly, baby? You're going to be up all night, right? And you need yeah, it. This will see me through. You've got to put up with my chat on the way home, Andy. So you'll Sweet. need a few of them, definitely. I appreciate the lift back. You're very welcome. Arsenal on Sunday. Laurie, you won't be there. We'll get to that in a moment. Andy, you will. Yeah. Um, Eric Ten Hag didn't seem to be scared of building the matchup in any way, shape or form. He said it's a huge test, but one he's really looking forward to. I was quite encouraged by that. We should do. Manchester United-Arsenal is a massive game. I'd be gutted if United lost on Sunday now, because I feel like there's a bit of momentum coming here. They've had a great start to the season. They're in the groove. They're bringing young players through. They're in form. They're winning all the time. It's been a while since we could have said that. Conceding direct from corners. Well, there is that, yeah. But I think Old Trafford will be bouncing again. Like it was against Liverpool. feels like um, United can actually have a go. Going into the game as a fan and as a journalist with more confidence, just like as I walked up to this ground here tonight, mm. thinking, there's a team starting to come together here. That's what it felt like. And Eric Ten Hag sort of referred to that as well, which I thought was interesting. I spoke to Christian Eriksen after the game and he said exactly that. It feels like relationships are beginning to build between the players that trust beginning to build, that patterns of play. You could see at times tonight that people knew what each other were doing. There's still maybe maybe two looks rather than one look before the ball's played, but you can see the patterns emerging, definitely. Yeah. I asked Jaden Sancho that as well, and he's another one who's he's in a good mood. When he finished speaking to the journalists, he shook hands with all of them. I'm like, nice one. That, that's a little bit unusual, but this isn't someone turning away in a sulk. This is someone who's who's comfortable, he's relaxed, he's, he's confident, he feels like he's in a good place. It's still not a vintage United side. It's still very, very early in the season. It's raw, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah and, and, but look, look at where we were a couple of weeks ago. And if Manchester United played Manchester City tomorrow, the result probably wouldn't please us, us at all. But I'm liking what I'm seeing with the new manager. I'm liking what I'm seeing with the new signings. I'm really glad the transfer window is over. And I'm feeling more optimistic now about Manchester United probably than at any point in this calendar year. Christian Eriksen laughed at me because I asked him if he was pleased about the clean sheet as well, given the fact that he plays deep in midfield now. He was having none of it. He's, he's had a decent start. I think his passing's really good. He, he was begging Ronaldo for the ball, if I'm not mistaken, towards the end. So he's getting all around the pitch and we often say of some players give them a year to settle in he, he looks like he's settled already I know he's an experienced professional but he, he, he seems to be um, carrying out his manager's instructions on the pitch I think Ten Hag is really specific um, with instructions that was the one reason why he wanted um, Frankie de Jong that didn't happen as we know but he's, he's brought in other players he's driven this transfer window more than anybody and Manchester United have indulged the manager. They've spent a huge amount of money on all of these new players. And that's great as we speak here now because we've just had a win and everything's shiny. The danger is if you go down that manager route and the manager doesn't work out, then you're left with a load of players who the next manager is unlikely to want, players on huge contracts. Yeah, and they've done that before, haven't they? Absolutely. Laurie, you won't be there on Sunday, but watching it on TV, what exactly are you looking out for in this United team? More of that development of the partnerships, because it was a big thing that Ten Hag spoke about afterwards. We've all noticed it as well. Yeah, I think also coming up against a team like Arsenal that are in a really good mode, um, I think that's a, a carrot really for United. Right, let's let's test ourselves against a team that have, have kind of been in this situation before last season and, and come through it, it seems like, and have started well. You know, I don't think they've played anyone particularly difficult so far Arsenal Fighting so talk. you know here we go let's let's bring it on at Old Trafford but I just think it's another opportunity really for United to show that they are developing as you say the understandings the connections the, the those those movements that you, you need to have without looking you know those split second decisions that just come instinctively it's another chance for that isn't it and just just being together you know the fact that they work hard off the ball are a unit difficult to break down I mean two clean sheets away from home on the bounce is, is a good sort of you know platform to build on and Andy of course it's the last Premier League match before the European campaign starts um, with Real Sociedad or La Real as I'm supposed to call oh, it because boy. Sociedad's not actually a place it's society in Spanish for anyone who didn't <laughs> listen to the last podcast yeah well I'm going to speak to one of their players on Tuesday they've got a some very good players have been booking my travel to the various destinations and I spoke to a lot of United fans who were 
talking excitedly about how do we get into Moldova for the game against Sheriff. Are you going to go then? Are, yeah. you, are you planning it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. I've never been to Moldova before, and I'm gonna try and well maybe go into Transnistria. If I probably pronounced that incorrectly. That's where Sheriff are from, and that's. Um, they call themselves a country, but it's within Moldova. Uh, it's a Russian-speaking enclave. Maybe that's the wrong word, enclave. Um, and the foreign officers do not go there. They've said that since the Russian invasion. The match is not actually there, though, is it? No, They've moved the match, it, yeah. but you still want to go anyway. Yeah, I'm a curious person. For, um, one word, yeah. Well, they, they, they also told me not to go to Sinaloa because they said it's more dangerous than, than, than Syria. But I went there and I met Maradona and it was it was brilliant. So I'm, I'm not an idiot. I won't just like walk walk towards a tank which is firing. But I will. I have I've got some decent intel today uh, about whether I can go or not. And it was don't go at night, <laughs> don't go early in the morning. But if you take a driver and then you should be okay but it's, it's a russian speaking part of moldova and there has been a lot of tension there this year so are you going to chisinau then are you going to moldova yeah, yeah so, i'm going I've, I've been there before with yeah. wales it's, it's actually not too bad it, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a bar there that's got a kind of ibiza vibe that i've, yeah. I've picked out you'll obviously obviously I've, I've, I've found a bar that's got an ibiza vibe of course yeah does cocktails so and andy's gonna go now yeah. I'll, we'll go I'll, we'll go. I'll buy you one, Andy. There we go. How yeah. about that? Uh, I'll just go in and say, can I have a beer, please? And my mates recommended no, it. You're not having a beer. And I'll show them a picture of him with his 1950s haircut. And they'll say, oh, yeah, that's the guy who ordered one of these. And he'll be like, the world's most expensive cocktail in one of Europe's <laughs> cheapest countries. Yeah, it's, it's a 42 quid drink he had here with some black name for it, you know, pink carrot or something like that. <laughs> Sounds about right, doesn't it? Is it good? I Hold can't wait I. for this. Is Chisina all right? Is it worth going to? I, I enjoyed it. it we, we stayed in, um, and I'm hopefully getting the same hotel, Radisson Blue, which is a really nice hotel. There's a casino in it. It's, it's a nice hotel. But more than that, yeah, this little bar that we had that was nice. You could have just a little relaxation, basically. I don't think there was loads to the city, so I'm not going to try and oversell it. But, you know. You're going this time? Yeah, yeah. Right, going this sweet. Time. Yeah, we're on it. Via, via Istanbul on the way out and via Berlin on the way back. It's another, you know, difficult journey. Yeah, we just need to focus on getting home from Leicester for the moment, don't we? But it's been brilliant to do this. Laurie, thank you very much. Enjoy your trip. Andy, thank you too as well. I'll see you on Sunday. And happy birthday, Ian. Thank you, Laurie. Don't need to sing again. Um, thank you for listening as well, of course. We'll be back after the match on Sunday against Arsenal. Hopefully we've got another win to reflect upon. Andy is helping himself to another jelly baby. You're going to be hyper, mate. I love sweets, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got a really sweet tooth. Fair enough. Is there any left for me? One. Oh, that's all right. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for being with us. And we'll speak to you again after the Arsenal game on Sunday. Bye-bye. Athletic.